All right, we get a snow day tonight. How about that? I felt for you, Ted. I can't believe the crowd didn't join in a little more. I was tempted over here when he said, we're calling off services tonight. I was going, woohoo! You know, it's like, snow day! Uh, it's just like a snow day in school, though. you got to make it up, all right? And some of you, your percentages of attendance are, I don't think you're getting into heaven, so... Y'all don't believe that, do you? You don't? No, don't, don't believe that. Um, but uh, I, I do want to give you some options later on this week for some good fellowship and for some spiritual growth. First, I want to encourage everybody to come out tomorrow night at 6 p.m. for our very first Celebrate Recovery. Yeah, this, this is an important thing uh, in many ways. It's a good event. Uh, it's going to be encouraging. We will have people attend this that, that we haven't met yet who, who, who want this um, fellowship and this experience. Gang, we've been, we've been waiting on this for years. God has brought us to this place so that tomorrow, January 1, 2018, we finally get to realize a lot of hopes and dreams. It was last year year, which means 2016, it was last year that our elders were at a retreat, and Brian was one, Ted was another, and they said, we believe that we should have a Celebrate Recovery uh, group at West Ark, and that was part of that vision, part of that dream, and there were even things happening before that, but it's all God. God has brought us to this moment, so if you just want to come and see what it's all about, I want you there. Um, if you're thinking, well, wait, that's for people who have addictions and, or people who maybe they want some anonymity. No, that's, that's not what it's all about. Uh, it, it's, yeah, that, you're certainly included if you fit into one of those categories. But, you know, even if you're one of those Christians that has it all together and you've got everything figured out and you don't have any problems. I mean, I'm going to be there and I'm one of those, right? So... You're going to put me over here in the self-righteous category, the support group for, yeah, for hypocrisy. Okay, you get it? Come be with us. It's going to be good. Starts at 6 p.m. Uh, tomorrow, and you can go to westark.org.cr and find out more. And it's going to be every Monday night, so if you don't make it this Monday night, you can come again. Now, this coming Thursday and Friday... We're going to do something that we've never done before, just like CR. We're going to initiate a 24-hour prayer and fasting period. And we're trying some things with this. And I really want you to be a part of it. You can find out more and how you can participate by following that, that web link. You can get on your uh, West Ark app and you can go to the events. Or you can go to westark.org slash prayerandfast. I think there's sign-ups out here in the foyer. Yep, okay, so you, I'll be out there this morning. Um, the main point of this is we need to be spiritually fit for 2018. God is about to take us into some great adventures. Uh, that's not just preacher talk. That's not just me saying that uh, as kind of a pep rally. As as much as I can, I want to emphasize to all of you, 
how I believe, and and I've been here 2018, when we get to the end of 2018, it'll be 15 years. And in those 15 years, I really feel like God has prepared us for something exciting in 2018. I mean, the pieces are in place. The opportunities are there. Uh, That's not to say he hasn't been doing anything up until this point, no. It's just that we get to see a culmination. We get to see a, um, it's, it's almost like a jubilee year. We get to see the return on investments that have been made for up to 35 years or more. So um, it would be very appropriate for us to engage in prayer and fasting. I don't want you to fast if, if, if that's going to risk your health. Don't do that. But you should replace the time that you fast from food or anything else with prayer. That's the point of it. It's not giving up stuff to impress God. It's so that we can replace what we think we need with time and prayer. And we want to have an unbroken 24 hours of prayer as we go along there. By the way, you can fast from other things. Fast from television. I'm not talking about the quality of television. Sometimes uh, television is, uh, it's, you know, we just, we absorb it. Just to kind of like brain candy. Fast from social media. Fast from texting. These things that we think we have to have. You know, they're always talking about all of us getting together, and when people get together, they're not really together because they're connected somehow on devices or playing games. Let that go for 24 hours. See what it does, but fill the 24 hours with prayer. And by the way, you may have prayer requests that you want others praying about. There's a way if you go through this that you can get to that too. I'm giving you these options because I really believe in them, and I believe it's important that we do this. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that you would indeed send us your Spirit. Help us to make the decision daily. And for that 24-hour period, I pray that we will, as a group, commit not just our lives, but our will to you. That the West Ark Church of Christ is fully a congregation that you own and that you guide and that you will lead. And Father, teach us how to let go of our anxieties, our notions of success, our notions of, of getting it right, and to rely on you. Father, bless us in these efforts and take us to the places that you would have us go and make the most of the opportunities that you have set before us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 21, is the story after the birth of Jesus that, that, that Luke, Luke is giving us an exclusive. He's the only gospel writer that has this story. When he was gathering the things that we ought to know, the things that we can know, he picked this one up. On the eighth day, the day of circumcision, when the child was named Jesus, the name that was given by the angel before he was conceived, then when the days stipulated by Moses for purification were complete, they, meaning Joseph and Mary, took him up to Jerusalem to offer him to God as commanded in God's law, Every male who opens the womb shall be a holy offering to God. And also to sacrifice the pair of doves or the two young pigeons that was prescribed 
in God's law. In Jerusalem at the time, there was a man, Simeon by name, a good man. A man who lived in prayerful expectancy of help for Israel. The Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit had shown him that he would see the Messiah before he died. Led by the Spirit, he entered the temple. And as the parents of the child Jesus brought him in to carry out the rituals of the law, Simeon took the child Jesus into his arms and blessed God. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. A God-revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory for your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were speechless with surprise at these words. Simeon went on to bless them and said to Mary, his mother, this child marks both the failure and the recovery of many in Israel. A figure misunderstood and contradicted the pain of a sword thrust through you. But the rejection will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. Anna, the prophetess, was also there. She was a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was by now a very old woman. She had been married seven years and had been a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple area, worshiping day and night with her fastings and prayers. At the very time Simeon was praying, she showed up, broke into an anthem of praise to God, and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they finished everything required by God in the law, they returned to Galilee in their own town, Nazareth. There the child grew strong in body, wise in spirit, and the grace of God was on him. Simeon and Anna both live with expectancy. They have a hope. They have a dream. They have a vision. They're longing to see the help of Israel or the recovery of Israel, the restoration of Israel. What does that tell you? Hmm? It tells you that they notice that something's not just quite right with Israel, right? You see, in their lifetime, both of them almost close to that 100-year mark, if, if, if Anna was married seven years and then a widow for 84 years, you, know, you add that together and what have you got? 91 years, and we need to give her at least uh, maybe 14, 15 years to be a child and to get married. You know, so they, could, they could have gotten married pretty young. She's well over a hundred. Just depending on how you run the math. Either however you want to look at it, she's been around for at least for nearly a century. Maybe more. And Simeon seems to be pretty old himself. In their lifetime, they would have seen 
a civil war in Judea, fought over who's going to be the king. They would have seen the, um, uh, the coronation of King Herod the Great, and they would have seen Herod desecrate the temple with Roman symbols, claiming to be God's uh, holy king, and yet using the symbols of uh, paganism. They would have seen the Roman conquest of Judea. They would have seen conflicts among the priests. Uh, They would have seen the Roman Republic transform into the Roman Empire. And they would have seen that emperor exert not only political control, but religious control over all the world. Well, they've seen a lot. And one of the things that they haven't seen in all that time is they haven't seen Israel fulfill its mission to be the light to all nations. For hundreds of years before they were born, hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was born, there was this notion. You you read it in the prophets like Isaiah, Isaiah 49. You find it in other places in Isaiah where Israel is going to be a shining example to the rest of the world. God speaks it like this through Isaiah. He says, I have a greater task for you, my servant. His servant is Israel, the, the, the special chosen nation. He says, not only will you restore to greatness the people of Israel who have survived, but I will also make you a light to the nations so that all the world will be saved. God's got more in mind than just taking care of Israel. And, and here are Simeon and Anna who've heard this. They know this. And like many other Israelites, many other Jews, all they've seen in their lifetime is disappointment. They've seen God's people who are supposed to hold the banner high. They've seen God's people fall short. They need a Messiah. They need a deliverer. They need a new king. They need need God's king. So they're waiting for that. That's their hope. That's the consolation of Israel. That's the restoration of Israel. That's what they long for. Simeon and Anna are those people of all the Scriptures that I've met. People whose faith is embedded in them. It's, it's, It's like... It's like wrinkles on old hands. It is just creased into them. It is those, those creases, those wrinkles represent not ugliness, but represent a deep and abiding faith that is part of who they are. And it's not a, it's not a pious, self-righteous faith. It's a, it's a faith of practice. It's who they are. How did Luke describe Anna? said she never left the temple. You know, that might be, that might be literal. If, if Anna's married seven years and then she becomes a young widow, that means she has no one to take care of her. She could get remarried so that she has someone to take care of her. This is the first century B.C., people. This isn't a liberated world, okay? She can't just go out and get a job on her own. She has to have someone taking care of her. She's going to the temple. She's going to trust in God. She's going to let God take care of her. 
Simeon goes to the temple. When we say that so-and-so and so-and-so are pillars of the church, what do we mean? We, we don't mean those things. We mean that they're, they're reliable. Well, Simeon and Anna are those reliable people. And they have, they're praying that God fulfills his promises with Israel. It's not that they don't believe. They just want to see it. And so they keep enduring. They live by that trust. It's, it's evident. I mean, here are Joseph and Mary coming up to the temple. They live in Nazareth. I don't know how many times they've been to the temple. But here they are coming to the temple, and, and they're there to do the things that you're supposed to do, the, the, the circumcision and the, and the offering, because it's all in the, it's like, yeah. It, it's just like, you know, any of us, uh, when we become young parents, and there's all these things to do, you got to get the immunizations. You got to get the baby photos. You got to do this. We got to take them to the temple. Here comes this old man walking up. Oh, takes the baby away from her. The Messiah. You're Joseph and Mary. How do you react to this? Okay. Thank you. We'll take the baby back. And then he says all this weird stuff about the hope of Israel. And then Anna comes up. She starts preaching sermons. The thing is, Simeon and Anna live this, and they've trusted in God. So when they see salvation, they know it. Because one of the things you've got to ask is, you know, how, how do they know that this, is, that this is the Messiah? Does Simeon just do this to everyone who comes into the temple with a baby? You know, oh, a baby. You know, no. He knows. Listen to his words. Listen to the things that he says. He understands what this child represents. That this child, and I love the way Peterson translated that, this child represents both the failure and the recovery of Israel. Because Jesus reflects what it means to truly be God's servant. And that puts to shame those who think they've got it all put together. But he also represents a way of recovery, a way of doing it better. Folks, this is why programs like Celebrate Recovery or you know, other outreach ministries or uh, anything that offers hope like that, it's one of the things that I think we need to be humble so that we overcome. People say, that's more like church than church. How many times have you heard that? I've heard that a lot. People will tell me that they go to different ministries or they go to different groups and they'll say, this to me is more like church than church. Okay, I get what they're saying, but I think that church can be church. In that, we come humbly knowing that you and I don't get here because of our own ability to be righteous and great, but we trust in God. Right here in this church, there are Simeons and Annas. You have grown up in church with Simeons and Annas. Not self-righteous, judgmental, pious people, but people who have lived their life in trust to God. You know the people. I know them. These are the people who blessed me and told me that I could use my gifts for God. These are the people who told me to understand what God wanted to do in my life. Not to shame me or make me feel bad, but because they had hope, they had vision. These are the people who warned me of things that could happen in life, and they knew it so well because it had happened to them. 
And they told their stories of how God had redeemed them. These are the people who can speak of failure, but also speak of recovery. That is what church is. Redeemed disciples. That's Simeon and Anna. That's the people you think of when you think of them. That's the people we might strive to be. Because Simeon and Anna come to church, they, they worship God, they, they put themselves in and among God's people for two things, prayer and proclamation. You know, sometimes we get this idea of, um, yeah, if there's a word that I could take out of, of our church language, it would be clergy. Clergy, I never liked that word anyway. It doesn't keep me from using the clergy parking spot at the hospital. But still, I don't like that word. Clergy, to me, always sounded like some sort of bad milk product, you know. There's cream and butter and clergy. And so, the, um, because clergy says that there's some of us who do the religious stuff and the rest of you are just spectators. Don't buy that. Simeon's not clergy. Anna's not clergy. It's just that Simeon knew that what he had to do was ask God for help for Israel. You're looking at that 24-hour prayer and fast event, and if you're thinking, oh, well, you know, that's for someone else. That's for someone who prays really, really good. No. That's, that's for you. That's for me. That's for all of us. We're all invited to go and ask God. Anna is just telling what she knows. She knows the story. She's speaking it. It says that she she proclaimed it and she's praising God. She knows God. Why does she know God? Because for 84 years, God is the one who's taking care of her. She didn't go to Bible school. She didn't learn theology. She learned to trust in God. Don't you know she's got a wonderful story? And if you're thinking to yourself, well, I've never had any training, I don't know. Yeah, but do you know God? Because you know God in ways that I don't, and I want to hear that. Uh, and, and, and Anna's a, a woman. Oh, yeah. Because young, old, male, female, rich, poor, we all have a story to tell about how God has taken care of us. And you can tell stories that I can't. I can tell some stories that you can't, okay? That's just the way it is because of my experience. But do not disqualify yourself because you're young, old, haven't had training, I'm a woman. There are stories you need to share. When we went to Bulgaria, one of our sisters, Shannon Davis, she told the story about how God blessed her and how her church family blessed her through her divorce and the divorced women in Bulgaria heard that I'm not good at telling stories about what it's like to be a divorced woman it's not my experience but thank God that he has worked in the lives of people like Shanna who can then share good news and hope with others You have a gospel message too, just like Anna, just like Simeon. Just don't 
keep it to yourself when God has given you permission to share it. You know, there's, there's Simeon's and Anna's among us. And what are we going to do with this story? What are we going to do with this? I mean, the hope of Israel, does that matter to us? In 2018, based off of, uh, and by the way, there's a lot of different stories about the, the founding of the West Ark congregation, and it's told from two different perspectives. It's two congregations that merged. If you go out here, there's a little stone plaque on that wall. has the date, October 1983. That's 35 years this October. And so for 35 years, and then all of the years in the other congregations that led up to that, there have been dreams, there have been hopes, visions about us sharing the good news with others across the street and around the world. 35 years in the making, folks. There's things that are going to happen this year that are 35 years in the making. We're already seeing doors open over here on the campus. We're seeing doors open up in the mission field, opportunities to go do mission. Just heard news from the church in Guatemala this week that there's a new wave of growth about to start there, spiritual growth. Uh, and, but right here, right here in our community, do not discount that God will use us the way he used Israel to be a light to all nations. We just have to ask the Simeon and Anna question. First, what are we looking for? Are we looking for a big attendance? Are we looking for a big uh, contribution? Are we looking for success? What is our measuring stick? For Simeon, he was looking for the Messiah. He was looking for the consolation, the help of Israel. As, as he puts it, his prayer, he wanted to see with his own eyes God's salvation. Are we looking for salvation? You know, the opportunities are constantly out there for us every day. And I'm not just talking about winning a soul. I'm talking about letting God work through us. Simeon doesn't think that the salvation project is all up to him. His word to Joseph and Mary is not, you know, if I hadn't been here praying, lo, all these years, Mary never would have had that baby. No, he knows better than that. He knows that God will do what God's want to do. And, and when we get anxious and we worry that the church is going to fall apart, the church isn't going to survive, we're going about it the wrong way, people. That's not gospel, that's anxiety. Instead, let's just tack our sail into the wind of the Holy Spirit and trust that God will take us where He needs to take us. And He will give us the opportunity to witness. He will let us see with our own eyes salvation. What do we spend our time talking about? Do we spend our time talking about church growth? Do we spend our time talking about spiritual growth? Do we, talk, uh, do we, do we spend our time talking about ourselves and how wonderful we are and that's okay because we're not really talking about us we're talking about church or do we spend our times talking about how good God is and how much he can do and how much he saved us you know Anna's got a testimony she's got an incredible testimony 84 years she's been taken care of by God day and night at the temple 
You hear someone like Anna and you're led to believe. What do you and I talk about? What's our vision? What's our hope? God's opening doors for us in 2018. This isn't just the the New Year's sermon. There's been some years I wouldn't have said that. Can I be honest? Of course I can. You want me to lie to you? No. Uh, There's been some years because really in some years, God's needed to work on us. And that's good. And I thank God for that. And there have been some times that God has had to repair and, and soothe and heal brokenness in our ministries and our groups and our families. But my sense is that this year, 2018, God's saying it's not just about us. It's not just about you. There's a lot of other sheep out there that I, I need them to find a place where they can be blessed and healed and comforted and, and loved. I need them, and, and some of them need to come and minister to, to you and help you. We're being trusted with opportunities to make a spiritual impact in our region. And West Ark is a regional church. Our impact, our influence, God has trusted us with this, is far-reaching across the street and around the world. But we're by no means a Fort Smith church. We're by no means an Arkansas church. Our song leader's got an OU shirt on. And... Yeah, yeah. And, you know, God loves all types. And so the, uh, you know, there's, there's neither Greek nor Jew. I mean, but we, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's all sorts of uh, opportunities that we have to influence. We even speak more than one language in this congregation. I love that. Maybe English is dominant, but there's opportunities. Do we see the opportunities for salvation like Simeon? And will we keep ourselves spiritually fit? Keeping ourselves spiritually fit is, is not about making us look good, but it's about being spiritually healthy and trusting in God who is the source of that health. So I encourage you to be a part of this prayer and fasting. That's one good way to start off on spiritual health. I want to encourage you to look through your, all the opportunities that we have And then you share opportunities that you see as well. Can we pray one more time? Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would help us to be the Simeons and Annas who seek the the salvation of this region, the the salvation that you bring. Because unlike them, they were waiting for the Messiah. But God, thank you that we have seen him. We have known him. We know that his name is Jesus and he has saved us. And I pray that we'll live that out, that we will proclaim it, and we will trust in it daily. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. If we can encourage anyone, we want to do that now.